Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, and a uh, big welcome to everybody on the other side of the camera in Pewaukee, and uh, those of you joining us online, thank you so much for making River Glen part of your Christmas celebration. My name's Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I just want to begin with a question for everybody. By show of applause, how many of you have all your Christmas shopping done? You got it all done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good for you. Good for you. Uh, every one of the guys turned to their wife and said, are we done? Yeah. Great. Great. We're done. Yeah. Now, I know some of you are, are planners. You're very organized. You know, you had your Christmas shopping done be before Halloween. But some of us are, are not planners. You know, we're not real organized. If you have not started your, your Christmas shopping, okay, not only are you not a planner, you probably shouldn't be in church uh, right now. Yeah. You are in big trouble. Yeah. You are, you are dead meat. And uh, you can go ahead and shop online while I'm talking. I uh, understand. Speaking of trouble, I read the Christmas story this year, and the word trouble jumped out at me. I never noticed it before, but uh, you'll see it comes up in one of the verses here in, in Matthew's gospel as he shares with us the Christmas story. Here's what he writes. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then a few verses later in chapter 2, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And not just Herod, all Jerusalem, all the people were troubled as well. And so I want to talk with you today about the trouble with Christmas. And I don't mean Target is crowded or, you know, they're out of the toy you're looking for. And uh, I don't mean the Christmas lights are tangled, although the problem is real. And I don't know, I don't mean, you know, you stayed up until 3 a.m., putting the toy together because you know your kid's going to want to open it and play with it right away, and he's not going to understand that it takes three hours to put it together, so you may as well just go ahead and get it done. And I don't mean Barbie is trapped in those twist ties in the packaging, and you wonder, why in the world do they make it so hard to remove toys from the packaging? I'm not talking about those kind of troubles, and I'm not talking about how your dog left a gift under the tree that really isn't a gift at all. I'm not talking about the trouble with our Christmas celebration. I'm talking about a deeper sense of trouble and stress and disappointment that sometimes we feel at Christmas time because Christmas has a way of amplifying the pain and trouble in our, our lives. I mean, if you lost your job, Christmas can amplify that fact because it's more difficult to buy gifts for those you love. If you lost a loved one, it can be more difficult because of all the memories and traditions at Christmas time that you shared together. Christmas is like this big magnifying glass that shines a bright light on the trouble in our life. And so I want to talk to you today about how the Christmas story can help us deal with the trouble in our lives. Mary and Joseph faced a lot of trouble that first Christmas. Here's the first trouble they encountered that I want you to see, and that is that the gift came strangely wrapped. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I like to give gifts. I don't like to wrap them. That's why I love the gift bag. I think the gift bag was like the greatest invention of the last century. 
it makes things so easy. And so I brought a couple of gifts along uh, with me here. And as you can tell, one of them is just wrapped beautifully. It's got a bow and, you know, beautiful paper on it. And then this other one, uh, not so much, okay? You know, this looks like something I would wrap. Uh, I helped with this. And uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's got some Band-Aids on it, holding it together. I, 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 it was dark. I thought they were tape, okay? Uh, but uh, now I'm thinking if you had to choose uh, between one of these gifts, you're probably going to choose the beautifully wrapped one, not the strangely wrapped one. I think you're going to be inclined to uh, choose this gift right here. So let's go ahead and let's see what's in here. And I'll reach inside, and it's, uh, it's an apple. And uh, this is kind of embarrassing. I, took a, I thought I took a little bite. It actually, it's actually a big bite, and it's aging. Now let's just put the lid back on that one. Okay. Let's see what's in this strangely wrapped gift. And uh, look at this. Wow. It's, a, it's an Apple gift card. Apple makes some wonderful uh, products. Anybody want an Apple uh, gift card? Um, anybody here for the first time? First time at River Glen? Uh, just go ahead and raise your hand. And uh, one of our staff, one of our team members here is going to hand you uh, an Apple uh, gift card. Yeah, we want you to have that and uh, hope that you enjoy that uh, this Christmas. Here's the, here's the point. Many times... When God gives a gift, it comes in the strangest wrapping uh, paper. And so we're like, you know, uh, you know I don't want that. I'm going to re-gift that. I'm going to give that to somebody else. And you know what? That's how Joseph responded to the news of Mary's pregnancy. Look at what it says. Joseph was minded to put her away secretly. He got engaged to Mary, but he decides not to marry her. And the reason is because he thought he was getting a wife, he's actually getting two for the price of one. Yeah. Thought he was getting a wife, he's actually getting, also getting a child that was not his. And it deeply troubled him. Try to imagine how he finds out. I picture Joseph picking up Mary to go to Bed Bath & Beyond and get registered for gifts. But before they leave, he says, I need to use your bathroom. Can I use your bathroom? And so he goes into Mary's bathroom and he sees some prenatal vitamins on the uh, counter. And he comes out. Mary says, are you ready to go? He says, I'm ready to have a conversation, girl. <laughs> Whose are these? And she's like, oh, those are mine, but you don't understand. It was an angel. Joseph's like, I don't care what his name was. Angelo, I'm going to kill him as <laughs> soon as I find him. I mean, imagine how this unfolds. Because we think the Christmas story, the first Christmas was perfect. It was charming. It was beautiful. No, no, no. He got his heart broke. Joseph thought she cheated on him. This was a very strangely wrapped gift. But God actually gave Joseph the highest honor given to anyone. He made Joseph the adopted father of the Lord Jesus. Joseph would spend more time with Jesus than anybody else besides Mary. Peter would get three years with Jesus. Joseph got almost 30 years with him. He got to teach Jesus how to swim, got to teach him how to be a carpenter, got to teach Bible verses to him. But Joseph almost said no to the gift. He didn't want it because it seemed like betrayal. But it was so much different on the inside than it was on the outside. And here's something I've noticed about God. God has a way of giving his best gifts in the strangest wrapping paper. And I wonder, what has life handed you this past uh, year? What has God allowed into your life this year? And maybe you're like Joseph, and you just want it away from you as quickly as possible. Maybe you had your heart broken like Joseph. Did somebody, you know, you thought you would marry, 
walk out on you or choose to be unfaithful to you. And you are tempted to define it as a bad thing, as the worst thing. Or was it a DUI? Was it a job that you lost? Was it a company? You poured your heart into it and it failed. Or were you not accepted into a program that you had your, you had your heart set on? Or did someone leave this world that you thought would be with you longer? But Christmas teaches us to look at things and not judge them by what wrapping is around them. And so can I suggest that maybe if you look once more at what life has handed you through the eyes of faith, maybe it's not quite as bad as it seemed at first. I mean, what if that DUI was actually a wake-up call that allowed you to assess the decisions that you've been making? And now, a DUI is not cool, but it could have been much worse. It could have been a drunk driving accident and, and ended a life, and you could have gone to prison with time. Couldn't you look back on that DUI as the best thing that ever happened to you? Because now you have a chance to recalibrate and reset and choose better friends and choose to honor God and go in the direction that he has planned for you. And I know it doesn't feel good to have somebody break up with you or, or cheat on you, but maybe that guy breaking up with you was the best thing that has ever happened. Maybe he was a good time, but not the kind of person who, will be, who would be faithful to you for better or for worse. And maybe God has a person of character, integrity, compassion set aside for you. But you would never even meet that person if not for that breakup that you're tempted to reject because of the way it came wrapped. And I know losing your job is, is, is difficult. It isn't pretty. But maybe that paycheck tethered you to a job that you really didn't have passion for. And God is giving you freedom to find a job that is a better fit with your abilities and passion or to start a business that you were meant to start. And so maybe one day you're going to look back at that, at that one day you define as terrible as one of the best gifts of grace that God has ever given to you. Next time you're tempted to, to, to see something that's been handed to you as awful, remember Joseph wanting to put Mary away. And remember, 2,000 years later, many of us have little action figures of, of Joseph in a nativity scene that we bring out every year because of the great gift that God gave him in this difficult turn of events. And so Joseph and Mary received this this strangely wrapped gift from God that is going to change and bless the world. And it leads us to the second trouble with Christmas. And that is the gift is for everyone. This is the good news of Christmas. Everyone is invited. Think about the cross-section of humanity in the Christmas story. We've got the, the wise men from the east who are wealthy, upper class. Joseph and Mary who are working people, middle class. And then the shepherds who are poor, just trying to make ends meet. This is the beautiful charm of Christmas. Everyone is invited. It doesn't matter what you've done. You might feel unworthy of God's love this Christmas. Maybe you just got out of prison. Maybe you're getting ready to go into prison. Maybe you recently had an abortion. Maybe you've done something that has caused your kids to want to have nothing to do with you. But you have a God in heaven who loves you, not in spite of what you've done, but in the midst of what you've done. He's, he loves you, and he's got a plan for your life, 
and your best days could still yet be. The good news of Christmas is that everyone is invited. Santa Claus might, you know, give a piece of coal to those on his naughty list, but look what God does. When we were at our worst, God sent his very best. God sent his son to save us, to rescue us. That's the good news. So what's the bad news? Everyone is invited, even those that you might not want to invite, even those that you're mad at this Christmas. But Christmas is not just a time to think about goodwill between God and man. It's also a time for us to give serious, heartfelt consideration to who do we withhold goodwill from, man to man, woman to woman. I wonder if you have someone in your life this Christmas who the relationship was once sweet, but it has soured, and now it is filled with space and silence. Maybe there were unpleasant words exchanged, because I can't help but think that if God would send his love for me at my worst, who am I to withhold goodwill from another person? Who am I to sit under the Christmas tree and, and share gifts with my family and celebrate God's grace if I'm stingy with grace? When it comes to another person, God calls us to extend the same grace and forgiveness to others that he extends to us. And maybe the biggest application for some of us this Christmas is a phone call that we're going to make on Christmas morning. Maybe you've been tossing and turning, thinking about making this phone call and saying, I'm sorry, to begin the process of reconciliation because life is too short to withhold Goodwill. Now, I'm not saying what they did was right or that they're a saint. They may not even receive your attempt. I'm, I'm just saying we ought to try. We ought to seek to give love because we have received such great love. And so Joseph and Mary received this amazing gift from God that comes strangely wrapped. At first, Joseph doesn't want it, but once the angel shows up, he cancels the divorce plans, and he marries Mary. And Mary tells the angel, may it be according to your word. I receive this gift. I receive this calling. But I wonder if both of them expected to have God's blessing. The angel said, this will happen because the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And I wonder if they thought, you know, God's going to take care of us. He's given us this assignment, and he's going to help us make the best of it. But after they accept this strangely wrapped gift, the bottom seems to drop out of their life. Here's the third trouble with Christmas. Sometimes the gift leads to chaos. I mean, Joseph and Mary open up a letter from the IRS, and they find an unexpected tax bill. They got to pay extra taxes. And Joseph's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to pay this extra tax bill. Money doesn't grow on trees. But he's a carpenter, and so it did. Okay, get it? But he's like, I don't know how we're going to pay our normal taxes, let alone this second tax bill. And then he reads in the letter where it says you can't e-file. You've got to show up in person and pay. And then at the bottom is a real bummer. You have to go to your hometown of birth to pay the tax, which means a 70-mile trip to Bethlehem while Mary is in the ninth month of her pregnancy. And so they take this dusty trip. Mary rides on the back of a donkey, feeling the, the bump, every little bump in the, in the road. Joseph tries to make the best of it, but all the while they're thinking, God, what are you doing? We're trying to serve you here. And they get to Bethlehem. They go to the inn. They knock on the door. The innkeeper says, uh, no rooms left, no vacancy. Should have booked a room on Expedia or Hotels.com. TripAdvisor, Joseph must think, you got to be kidding me. God, you didn't book a room for us? This is your child. 
We're like surrogate parents here. I mean, maybe it's too much for me to expect a room at the Ritz-Carlton, but what about Holiday Inn? Even Motel 6 didn't leave a light on for them. And they end up having the baby, delivering the baby in a stable for animals or a cave for animals. They wrap baby Jesus in swaddling cloths. This would be like going to your mechanic shop and taking towels off the floor and wrapping a newborn baby. And then Joseph and Mary have to run for their lives to Egypt, where they live for a couple years because Herod is on a jealous rampage killing babies in Bethlehem. They complied with God's plan, and it's like they got rewarded with chaos, and it, they must have felt like God forgot them. And maybe you can relate this Christmas. I think we all have a tendency to think that if we follow God, life's going to get easier, not harder, not more chaotic. Maybe you said to God, I'm going to start going to church every weekend. I'm going to start volunteering. I'm going to give like I've never given before. I'm going to act out of integrity in my business. And all of a sudden, everything starts getting more chaotic in your life. Here's why sometimes God allows chaos. Because the chaos prepares us for the blessing that he wants to give us. God has a great blessing, great blessings in store for every person. But he knows we're going to need some strengthening. He knows we're going to need some grounding to handle that blessing, those blessings. And chaos teaches us humility. And it prepares us to get ready for the blessing. So what happened to Joseph and Mary in the midst of their chaos? Well, the wise men from the east show up and surprise them. They had no idea they were coming. Many nativity scenes show three wise men because they brought three gifts, but we don't know. There could have been 300 of them. Could have been 500 of them. And the wise men hand Joseph and Mary these three gifts, very, they seem like odd gifts, odd baby gifts, but think about it. Gold, blessing, treasure, frankincense, blessing, myrrh, blessing. God blesses Joseph and Mary with treasure, but first they needed to trust God when it seemed like he forgot them. Many, most commentators believe Joseph and Mary sold the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and it funded their lives in Egypt. And if they had gotten a room at the inn on Christmas night, there would have been eyewitnesses that could have identified them. But they had the baby in solitude in a barn, which seemed like a bad thing, but it was actually a God thing because it allowed them to escape to Egypt and protected them from Herod. So if you follow God, but feel confused by chaos in your life, maybe God allows it so he can give you something that will bless you further down the road. Remember, we just see the next step, but God sees the whole map in front of him. I love this quote from Corey Ten Boom. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. And that's what Mary and Joseph did. They trusted God in the midst of chaos and God provided blessing and treasure and he'll do the same for you. One more trouble with Christmas. The gift is easily missed. That's why it says all Jerusalem felt troubled that first Christmas. The people of Jerusalem missed the beauty of the first Christmas. They missed the point of the first Christmas. In journalism, they have a phrase for missing the point. They say, don't bury the lead. They teach journalists who write for newspapers to write in such a way that they don't focus so much on the details that they miss the big story. Don't bury 
the lead. Now, if you're writing a novel, it's not that way. I mean, you don't start with the lead. You want to string people along with suspense. You want to keep them turning pages, and sometimes there'll be a surprising twist at the end of the novel. But in the newspaper industry, they call that burying the lead. In the newspaper industry, they start with the, what's most important at the top, and it gets less and less important as it goes. And then if, if they need space at the last minute, they start cutting from the bottom up, and they don't bury the lead. Now, there are other situations in life where it's important to not uh, bury the lead. Uh, imagine if your husband is in surgery, and you're in the waiting room waiting, and you're wringing your hands. And imagine the doctor walks up to you in the hallway, pulls down his surgical mask, and he says, ma'am, your husband died three times on the operating table, but we brought him back to life each time, and he's going to be fine. You want to slap that doctor, right? You're like, don't play games with me. Just tell me my husband's fine. Don't bury the lead. And I wonder if sometimes if we bury the lead when it comes to Christmas, we get caught up in trouble, the trouble of Christmas, trouble in our world, trouble in our lives, and we forget how much trouble we would be in without Christmas. Look at what Jesus said about trouble in the world and trouble in our lives. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice how Jesus, he doesn't bury the, the lead. He doesn't say the world is full of, of trouble, good thing that you can find some peace. No, he says peace is the lead story of Christmas. And so this Christmas, let's make the headline, in Jesus, we have peace. Now, Jesus says we're going to have trouble in this world, and there'll be trouble in our lives, but he brings peace in the midst of the trouble. See, peace, his peace, doesn't take the, take us, take the trouble away from us. He gives us peace right in the midst of the trouble. It's like an anchor for your soul, an inner tranquility that strengthens you and sustains you through whatever trouble that life throws your way. But you have to open the gift of Jesus to have the peace. You've got to open the gift of Jesus to have it fill your heart with peace and with joy. You know, it's kind of like that uh, you know, Apple gift card that we gave out uh, earlier. I mean, Apple makes some wonderful products, but this gift card is really of no value unless you open it up and you use it. Something interesting about gift cards, I don't know if you know this, every year, a billion dollars in gift cards go unused. People just forget about them. People lose them. I had that happen one time. I found an old gift card at my desk. Another time I found an old gift card in my dresser at home. I like getting gift cards, but I've learned use them before I lose them. And in the same way, so many people miss the gift of Jesus because they don't open it. Listen, Jesus will do you no good unless you open him up uh, as your Savior and receive him as your Lord and follow him. You've got to open the gift of Jesus and use it to have peace. And so I want to challenge you to open yourself to Jesus this Christmas. And here's how I want to do it. I want to ask everybody to go ahead and grab this card. It's in the seat back in front of you. It says welcome on, on the uh, one side of it. Go ahead, I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and grab that card. There's a response on here for everyone that, that's going to help you open your life to Jesus and bring you peace. On the front, there's some space on the bottom where you can write down 
whatever is troubling you this Christmas, and we will pray for you. We would be honored to pray for you. I mean, if it's big enough to trouble you, then it's big enough for us to pray about. And God promises that if we pray about our troubles, he will, he will give us peace. And then on the other side, there's several next steps that can help, help you open your life to Jesus and bring you peace. Let us know if you're making a decision today to follow Jesus. Let us know if you'd like to find out more about getting baptized. If you mean business, baptism is your next step. Let us know if you'd like to find out more about joining a group or volunteering. And there's many other next steps on here. Let us know if you're making a decision because one of these decisions can change your life. You're one step, one decision away from peace and a better future. So don't miss out. Go ahead and fill that out. Drop it in the container at the door on your way out. And if you have any questions about any of these steps or if you just want to talk to somebody after the service, stop at the connect wall in the lobby. We also want to invite everyone to share communion with us because Christmas is for everyone. You don't have to belong to this church. Our communion is open to everyone who says yes to Jesus. Just follow the instructions on the screen. You can take the double, one of the double cups as they come by you in the trays. The top cup contains juice that represents Christ's blood. The bottom cup has a piece of bread that represents Christ's body. Communion helps us remember the lead story of Christmas, that Jesus came into this world. He lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death, but he came back to life to, to bring you peace in the midst of any trouble. Let's, let's make communion our commitment or recommitment to open our life to Jesus. Let me pray for us, and then we'll pass the communion trays down your rows. God, you've been so good to us. God, thank you for sending your best when we were at our worst. Thank you for the amazing gift of Jesus and the peace that he gives us, peace that anchors us and sustains us in the midst of any trouble that life throws at us. God, help us to open our lives to the gift of Jesus and trust you like Mary and Joseph. I pray that you give each one of us clarity on how to respond today and give us the courage to take our next step. Thank you for communion and, and how it represents the gift of Jesus is for everyone. And it's in his name we pray, amen.